Welcome to Anomalous, a beauty podcast about beauty, life, and what it means to all of us. My name is Swati. And I'm Anjana. Hi, everyone. Welcome to uh, another episode of Be Anomalous. Uh, this is Sai, and we have an amazing guest today, My one of my great friends, uh, Mariam. She is going to be uh, talking to us and introducing herself and giving us a little bit about her background, and we're going to learn a lot from her. I will welcome Mariam. Mariam, why don't you say a little Hi. bit about yourself? Hi, I'm Mariam Gard. I um I'm really excited to be on this podcast and to be speaking with you right now and sharing a little bit about myself, which I hope will be useful. Um, I grew up uh, living between England, Iran, and uh, the U.S., where my mom was a school teacher and my dad was a professor at a university. And I had a chance to travel really back and forth from six months old all the way to fifth grade and lived in lived in Iran for five years, lived in America for five years, and um, got to really absorb all cultures. And when I was 11 years old, we were traveling between Iran and England and the U.S., and we were visiting the U.S., and very quickly my dad was diagnosed with a rare form of brain tumor called glioblastoma, um, which is no longer as rare anymore. There are a lot of people that are getting it, and he passed away within a month. And I had an older brother and a single mom in America, and she had to have make the tough decision to either move back to Iran where she would probably have to get remarried and would have to deal with um, – it would be very hard for her as a woman to go back to work there and live her life or to stay here and start from scratch, from ground up. And um, she decided to stay in the U.S. Um, with me and my brother and – From there, if I were to fast forward things, I ended up going to UC Berkeley and graduated from there where I met my current husband, who Karthik Garg, who's Indian. And so I learned about a whole new culture, which has been absolutely wonderful. And that's a little summary of my life. That is a fascinating story. And it's really, I think it speaks for who you are as a person. She's an incredible human being. Uh, another episode of Be Anomalous. We have a, uh, this is Sai and we have an amazing guest today. My, one of my great friends, uh, Mariam. She is going to be, uh, talking to us and introducing herself and giving us a little bit about her background and we're going to learn a lot from her. I will welcome Mariam. Mariam, why don't you say a little bit about yourself? Hi, I'm Mariam Gard. I um I'm really excited to be on this podcast and to be speaking with you right now and sharing a little bit about myself, which I hope will be useful. Um I grew up uh living between England, Iran and uh the US, where my mom was a school teacher and my dad was a professor at a university. And I had a chance to travel really back and forth from six months old all the way to fifth grade and lived in lived in Iran for five years, lived in America for five years, and um, got to really absorb all cultures. 
And when I was 11 years old, we were traveling between Iran and England and the U.S., and we were visiting the U.S., and very quickly my dad was diagnosed with a rare form of brain tumor called glioblastoma, um, which is no longer as rare anymore. There are a lot of people that are getting it, and he passed away within a month. And I had an older brother and a single mom in America, and she had to have make the tough decision to either move back to Iran where she would probably have to get remarried and would have to deal with, um, it would be very hard for her as a woman to go back to work there and live her life or to stay here and start from scratch, from ground up. And um, she decided to stay in the U.S. Um, with me and my brother and from there, if I were to fast forward things, I ended up going to UC Berkeley and graduated from there where I met my current husband, who Karthik Garg, who's Indian. And so I learned about a whole new culture, which has been absolutely wonderful. And that's a little summary of my life. That is a fascinating story. And it's really I think it speaks for who you are as a person. She's an incredible human being, one, like, extremely caring. I can talk for her because I know her so well now. Um, so how how hard was it, like, growing up, uh, like, since you know so many different backgrounds, like, in terms of culture, how do you differentiate them? And how was is, how is it, like, growing up uh, as an immigrant and, you know, having multiple different culture linked to it. And you said, like, you know, you mentioned a little bit about if your mother had to go back to Iran, it would have been a completely different life for you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in Iran, there is a lot of community and respect for elders, very similar to Indian culture, very similar. But um, culturally, it is very, very different than here. Um I learned from, based on traveling, I would say um, there are shallow parts of the culture, like the food, the music, the movies, and then there's the deeper parts of the culture. But my exposure initially when I moved to America, um, it was a little bit more shallow. My mom, when she would drop me off at school, I was very embarrassed that my mom had an accent. I lived in a very, very predominantly white community, and my mom mm -hmm. would come in, and I would tell her, please drop me off a block away. This is embarrassing. Everyone is American, and people would actually, I remember, I will clearly remember in sixth grade, people saying, are your parents terrorists? And, and comments like this mm -hmm. would happen all the time. So you learn to develop a little bit of thick skin when you grow up in another culture and move here, but you also learn to appreciate what you have here because life here is very different. Um, even though there is still, you know, the gender equality, it's not fully equal. If you look at countries like Iran, um, women still have to wear a headscarf. Um, they have to fight for their rights. And even though they're highly educated women and, um, men can marry multiple, <laughs> have multiple mm -hmm. wives. So there, you get exposure to things that people in America could not even imagine. And then after getting married, I learned about a whole new culture, which to me I found really fascinating. India is a place where it changes you as a person when you visit India. And I got married in India, and 
having gone to New Delhi um, and getting married there and being in a little bubble, having a beautiful wedding in India, but then going on the streets and seeing children that are five years old holding their baby siblings and begging for food. And and then so that's, that's on the streets and having to just, you know, close my eyes and not not think about that every night before going to sleep, not feel guilty about going to these fancy elaborate restaurants in India. Um, it really changed me. It really shook me up. And then, but what I learned the most about India was the community and the culture and the values and the closeness and of, of people and the things that they're willing to do for each other. And I'm really trying to embrace that here in America and build that kind of community within my household because I'm a mother of two. I have a three-year-old and a six-year-old daughter, and I would love for them to have exposure to that, respecting elders, uh, grandparents being extremely involved in living within your household, and really being there for each other. Um, initially, it was hard for me to go to India, and you have to let go of having control over every aspect around your life. There's... Um, there's a lot of people in one house, so you can't mm-hmm. control how your kitchen looks or how your room looks or how organized everything is or even where your things go or what your schedule is like. But after having kids, I have this different appreciation for it. I've let go, and I, I really am appreciative of it, and I feel fortunate to have exposure to all of these beautiful cultures. That's really amazing. You... Um, it must have been really hard to grow up uh, with that kind of bullying and and now having your kids grow up, you might, like, as a mother, you might be even more, you know about the peer pressure that, you know, kids go through. Um, what, what do you have to say for that? Like, how, how, like, how has things changed from the time that you were growing up to now for your kids, or is it still the same? Um, Unfortunately, bullying is, still there. There are a lot of campaigns out there to help prevent bullying in person. And I think there's there's a lot of awareness around it now. And previously, when children were bullied, for example, if someone would physically hit me, I was told to either ignore the person or to push back. Whereas now, when things happen, we encourage our children to speak up, to say it's not okay, stand up for themselves. We never encourage violence in return. Those things are there. But the way bullying has shifted is actually now online, an online presence of bullying. Mm -hmm. Right now, children as young as first grade, at least in our neighborhood, have phones. And when you are communicating on a phone, whether you have Facebook or not, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, even if you're not on a social network, if you're texting, um, you're communicating with your friends, and there may be ways in which people are putting each other down in school, including or excluding people, even by just creating group messages. And that kind of bullying is where I'm a little bit concerned because it's not something that kids can come home and actually speak about. They don't speak about it openly because mm-hmm. it doesn't feel yeah. like it's wrong. And um, there are companies that are popping up to – help prevent this, but it's a really new area and it's something we have to figure out, um, figure out how to reduce this online and social bullying 
Um, and I think it does feed into the increased, unfortunate increased suicide rates in children between the age, it's even thoughts of suicide children going to hospitals for between the age 5 and 18 is, has gone up tremendously. So we just have to be there for our children and do the best we can and make sure to have that open communication with them. Thank you for sharing that. Um, um, like Maria mentioned, she is a mother of two beautiful kids, uh, and she does such an amazing job. She's also a student at USC. Um, it's incredible how she manages her time. Uh, how has motherhood changed you? You talk to me a lot about how you were before when you studied at Berkeley and now how you are at USC and how she's always on top of a game. Uh, so it's incredible how to see that. Uh, how has motherhood changed you? Well, it's so nice of you to say that, but I couldn't do it without the support of my friends like you and family. I'm always venting to you, so you hear it all the time. <laughs> but motherhood has definitely changed me. Um, there are, aside from small things like improving my prioritization skills and time management, because I only have so much time and I don't waste it anymore. There's no TV in my living room. There's no um, – every minute of the day has to be productive, if, you know, whether it's work, whether it's, you know, physical activity, um, taking – having special time with my kids, studying. Um, right now, as a grad student, I'm fairly new grad student at USC, and it has been great, but it has definitely been challenging. Um, the one thing I recently noticed that I really learned as – a mother, and they've done studies about this. Psychiatrists are doing a lot of studies on just uh, the neurological changes that happen to you as a parent, both mother and, and father. Um, you learn to empathize a lot with people because mm. when you're dealing with children, at least I spent a lot of time reading these early child psychology and early childhood development books when my kids were very little, and I started better understanding myself. Um, for example, things like when I'm in my reptilian brain, when I'm really, really upset to not continue a discussion or to understand another person's perspective. When you're dealing with a six-year-old, you have to think about the way they're thinking. And um, then you realize that every human being is so different, too, when you're dealing with someone in their teens, in their 20s. Uh, and now in grad school, I'm, I have different I'm working with people of different ages, and I'm learning so much from them, from younger people, from older people. You, you work with professors, and I think the empathy piece is the most important. I think if you want to understand, especially in the role I'm in right now as an entrepreneur, if I want to understand my customer and empathize with them, I need to find their deep needs, um, and being a mother has really helped with that um, because it's a skill I'm working on every single day. <laughs> You're doing a great job. <laughs> no. I mean, no, I couldn't do what you're doing. It's just incredible what you're doing. Uh, <laughs> that goes to my next question. How do you think, like, I, I'm mad at but how do you think, like, what advice do you have? Like, how does life change for a person from marriage to motherhood or fatherhood? And how is it different for different gender in terms of how is it different? Do you think it's different for men and women? Or uh, what are your thoughts on it since you've gone through the entire journey and also gone through like a cultural 
you know, journey yeah. from one different, completely different culture to a completely, you, you, I mean, I feel like you're the best person to answer this question. <laughs> oh, I really, I really hope I can speak to those expectations. Thank you. But um, it's such an interesting question about marriage because you're asking someone who prior to getting married, my husband and I did everything equally. I mean, our jobs, everything was just equal. I, in fact, I would say I was even more career, like ambitious than my husband. We would always joke about, oh, when we have kids, I'll be the stay-at-home dad, my husband would say, and and then, Miriam, you'll you'll go back to work, and eventually you'll 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 be an executive at, at a Fortune 500 company, and I, that's what we always imagined. And I had childcare ready for my daughter when she was born on August 14th. I had childcare ready right next to my work, and I was ready to go. And then the day, and I even had formula, everything. I was like, I'm not going to breastfeed, and I had this just mm-hmm. vision of just everything being equal and. When we were married and even when we lived together before marriage, it was an equal partnership. Everything was – it was it didn't make a difference if we were men or women. Mm-hmm. And then when the baby was born, suddenly I was the one that was breastfeeding. And even the hormones during pregnancy, you know, it's, it's a, it takes a toll on your body. Um, but – that, you know, that set aside, I was able to chug through that. Work kept me so busy that I couldn't even think about it. And I started nursing the baby and bonding with the baby. And I was like, ooh, I'd like to take some time off. And I'd like to spend the next year with my baby. And I never imagined doing that. I just, so I don't know if it's a difference between men or women and and marriage, but it it does change your life because um, the first step of when you're getting married, there's compromise. You have to, if you, whoever you live with, when they're under your roof, whether it's your mom, your kids, you, you have to know how to get along. And it's never perfect. Everyone is so different. You have such different preferences as human beings, um, whether it's with cleanliness or when you sleep or whether you want to grab a drink tonight or your mood. And there's so much to deal with, so many emotions. And the first year, you're just figuring that out. And then after the first year, the the first year, I would say, is the toughest year of marriage. You're really, really trying to figure out how to communicate with each other, how much control you have over the conversations and um, not overstepping your boundaries and respecting each other. And even now, I still read there's this Gottman Institute Every Thursday I get a newsletter on how to, it's been nine years I'm married to my husband, and we're still improving on our marriage and working on things about how to communicate with each other. And I would say I've changed a lot this year um, as to how I manage you know, arguments. Everybody has arguments and how I manage day to day. But men and women do end up thinking, I think, differently. And... um now that my kids are older, I'm back to wanting extreme equality, and I've stepped um, I've stepped back from doing household work. I am lucky enough to have a mom that moved in, and she's helping support me. But my husband has really stepped it up, and now he's putting the kids to sleep and learning. But we just have to learn, um, especially as women, um, how much to give and how much to ask. 
it's okay to ask for help. And that's the number one thing. We constantly, especially in our cultures, feel like, oh, we need to provide dinner. We need to provide lunch. We need to take care of that person. But really, if we don't take, if we're constantly taking care of other people and don't take care of ourselves, we won't end up being able to take care of our families, our husband, our parents, our children. So it's, that, that's what I've learned over time. That's, wow. Uh, how, like, do you think that you're more mindful, since you have two daughters, are you more mindful of the way you behave around them? Especially, like, the thing that you're talking about, equality. And do you think that they are constantly watching you and you, you and your husband have to be more aware of it? Absolutely. Especially my husband actually is so aware now that he, he's concerned, like, why do I only have one engineer that's female on my team? My daughters, I don't want them growing up with this. This is not fair, even though yeah. it's tough to find them now. He's making an effort. But for me, after my daughter, Nadia, my first daughter was two, um, she had this expectation. She one day made a comment saying, well, mommy cooks and papa goes to work, yeah. but mommy doesn't work. And I always viewed my me being home as a mom as at work because it's, it's way more yeah. work than yeah. than any corporate job. It's actually more physically and emotionally draining. And if you were to actually calculate everything, there was an article that was published a few years ago if you were to calculate everything that a stay-at-home mom does, it's worth $150,000 a year. The savings, cost mm. savings in in daycare and in, in having to ch- hire people yeah. to take over when your children are sick. And and it's really underappreciated. And yeah. now that after she said that, I said, that's it. I am I need intellectual stimulation, and I'm going to start consulting. So I set up my own consulting company, and that's when I started consulting part-time for Macy's.com and Bloomingdale's.com. One, for myself, but two, as a role model for my children. Now that they see me going to school, like initially they were embarrassed by it. Now they're proud. They're like, my mommy goes to school too, and I want to go to USC too. And they mention it to their friends, and they see that I'm also doing things outside of the house, and it makes a very, very big difference. And the next generation is going to be very different. I think the next generation marriage, there's going to be a lot less people getting married. There's going to be a lot less people are going to be way more independent. Things are going to change and equality is going to have a different meaning when my kids are in their thirties. Yeah. Especially if we have more people like you stepping up and doing things and bringing up beautiful kids like Nadia and Sasha. Definitely. Um, how do you deal with mom guilt? Like, I know it's it's something that, you know, every, not just mom guilt. I feel like women in general are, uh, statistics have shown that women are more keen to, you know, feeling guilty about all the things because they're expected to do, uh, whether it's household work or all of these things, they deal with guilt. And mom guilt is an actual thing that everyone goes through. How do you deal with that? Like, do you feel um, that? I call you. I call you normally. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I would say number 
one thing, which is advice that you gave me, is usually your kids will end up writing you a sweet note. It will happen yeah. at some point. Um, that's my number one thing. I have it in my backpack, and I'll bust it out. Like, they'll say something like, best mommy ever, or I love you so much. And I, that's one thing that just physically helps me. It's like the stuffy uh, that little kids hold for that's me. That's my sweetest stuffy. thing. Yeah, <laughs> like, Mariam showed it to me, and I was almost, I almost teared up. It was just so beautiful, and that kind of shows how much kids actually watch these things, and the guilt is, it's something that you create by yourself and it's not that you should feel guilty at all. And But the guilt is there. It'll always be there yeah. today. I dropped off my daughter at school and she was begging me not to drop her. She wanted me to come in. Mommy, please don't go to school. Mommy, please sit outside on the bench and watch me play. And mm. she was howling and the teachers had to pull her. So the guilt is there, but know that all other moms feel it. Mm-hmm. And in order to be able to better take care of your children, you have to take care of yourself and your needs because kids do grow up and they want to have, they want your independence because eventually they're going to want to spend time with their own friends and they're going to be independent and you should want them to be independent. And then the other thing is, um, that it's okay to talk about it to friends. I think talking about it and letting it out and saying, I, I'm, this is how I'm feeling. It really, really helps. Um, and spending quality time, understanding that quality is more important than quantity. If I spend all day with my kids and I'm cooking and cleaning and on my phone chatting or yeah. working, um, it it's a lot less valuable than spending an hour and just dedicating that time, put my phone away in the phone bucket and just play, do some deep play with them, either read a story or let them do pretend play with them, that time is way more valuable than spending a bunch of time just being around and not being present. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Being a student at USC, being a mom, and also working on your uh, entrepreneurial journey and also trying to spend time with your husband. How do you manage this energy? How are you always on top of everything and always so energetic? What advice do you have for others? <laughs> no. um, I would say it's okay to sometimes drop things off your plate. So, for example, for me, exercise. Exercise has been number one. Ever since I moved to L.A., I make sure that on days where I don't exercise, those are my down days. I spend at least half an hour to an hour a day in the gym just with upbeat music. And I like, I like weight training. So I'll do three days a week of weight training and two to three days of either hiking or going for a walk or some kind of cardio. Um, and that sets the tone for my day. Once I'm able to do that, um, I, I just have to create my list. So I have my ongoing list and I have my daily list. And I've, I try to tackle as many things as I can. Uh, but having a, surrounding myself with positive people. So as soon as I see someone who's really, really negative, constantly bringing me down, I, I try my best initially to bring them up, but they eventually bring you down with them. 
uh, by people like you and just our cohort. We're so lucky to have such a wonderful cohort with positive people um, to constantly remind each other that we are really lucky to be where we are and um, to be healthy. So if we get one thing done um, today and two things done tomorrow and we don't complete our to-do list, to just not beat ourselves up, be happy with what we've accomplished. And um, as a mom, plan and prioritize, but you don't have to do that if you're <laughs> if you're not. But I just appreciate what I have because we are really fortunate to be where we are as long as we're healthy and are surrounded by loved ones. Thank you so much. Lastly, I would ask you, what advice do you have for uh, – Anyone who wants to embark on the journey of being a parent or also uh, any advice for anyone who wants to get married, what do you think, uh, what advice do you have? Um, it's a very good question. I think for marriage, I'll, ask, I'll answer that first because I don't think I've yeah. properly answered your question about marriage earlier because everything has become about kids, and that's what my life is right now. <laughs> um, about marriage, I was with my husband for four years in college, and then we broke up for two and a half years. And in that two and a half years, I learned how to grow independently. Um, in marriage, I think number one is having respect for each other. If you respect each other and show respect all the time and empathize with each other, everything will come together beautifully. Um, when it comes to your partners, like when you get into a big argument, understand when you're in your reptilian brain, when you're just so angry that a conversation cannot be productive further, just take a deep breath, step back, and just say that ha have a keyword with your with your spouse like you know i'm in my reptilian brain can you give me a few minutes to breathe and either either go for a walk calm down and only talk to each other when you're when you're calm um so i think that would be for marriage the number one thing because arguments will happen whether you like it or not it's really hard to avoid but how to handle that and how to make up and just showing showing deep respect for each other and then having kids, I think, I really think there should be a cost for it, warning people what you're getting yourself into. I don't think kids are for everyone. I think you should know that you have to um, compromise. Just same with a marriage. There's going to be a lot of compromise. You're going to give up a lot. And a lot of people on social media post these beautiful pictures of their family and all the happy moments. And nobody ever posts the pictures of, the countless days that you spend not sleeping at night or your children coming into your bed, kicking you in the face, you know, moms and dads, they go through quite a lot. And for me, because I spend a lot of my, a lot of time with my kids, a lot of people actually, they're sad when their kids are growing older. I'm so happy they're growing up because they're becoming like friends and I'm able yeah. to enjoy them more. Um, but Know that it's not easy, and it's okay to ask for help. Um, so give up the perfection and be okay with other people being involved 
not obsessing over, oh, grandparents give sugar to the kids and just let go of some of those small nitty gritty things and just look at the big picture and get as much help as you can because it takes a village. Wow, that's some really, really good advice. Uh, um, lastly, I think we can end it with how would you define beauty? Oh, that's a very good question. I think beauty comes both from within, but also it's just the from externally the confidence that you have. And I I use makeup and and cosmetic products and I like to dress up sometimes and sometimes I don't. And and that external beauty, um, I think some of the things that make me feel beautiful, it's not actually what's on me, but how it builds my confidence. So um, I think it's both internal, your personality and being kind, and beauty can come in all shapes and forms. And I'm really really glad that media is starting to portray that a little bit. Uh, you're seeing more and more of it. Awesome. Thank you so much, Mariam, for taking the time and giving us such a beautiful uh, time together and such great advice. It was one of the greatest sessions. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me on here. It's my first podcast and it was Really, really nice to speak with you, and um, if anyone has any questions, they can feel free to reach out to me. Awesome. Always nice to speak to you. Thank you. That's so great. nice to speak to you. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>